32 counties. United by people. My name is Una. And my name is Andrea. And this is United Ireland. United Ireland. (laughs) Every week on United Ireland, we go under the hood of issues in Ireland beyond the headlines, bringing you smart people who know what they're talking about. Uh, we are an independent podcast, just like Beyonce, all the independent women. Was that what her song? Anyway, we do need your support like Beyonce. If you would like to support us and like what you hear and can spare three euro for a month, please do go to patreon.com forward slash United Ireland and pay for the pleasure of this podcast. We're delighted to be back together. It's been a while. It's It's been a hell of a long while yeah Yeah. and um in celebration of this and already organized the conveniently big news we have a live podcast event in the national concert hall next week in the (gasps) live podcast tell me it's true everyone united is a live podcast collab with connor habib we're going to be talking about imagining ireland as a utopia so if you like all the things we talk about all the solutions and insight and ideas on this podcast that we offer. And if you want to envisage something different as we re-enter the world, join us next Wednesday, 20th of October, 7.30 p.m. Tickets are a tenor. Do it. Go to nch.ie for tickets and we shall see you there. Are you excited about that, Andrea? I'm going to put it in my diary right now. (laughs) (laughs) So what's going on this week? Yeah, I am. I can't wait to uh, live a life in reality where we talk. Cool. Uh, this week we are talking about Up the Students! As the cobblestone and Merchant's Arch protests in Dublin seem to indicate a turn from despondency and displacement to anger and now finally to action. The students then got battered by a little snide and antagonistic comment from friend of the pod, Dublin City Council CEO, Owen Keegan. Shout out to Owen. Hey! Uh, Keegan's been slapped down by everyone from the Taoiseach to the Minister for Housing, the Minister for Higher Education, me and Una. I'm only joking, we would never do that. But the students are revolting. We'll have their voices on this podcast uh, from the protest. The UCD Union, uh, Students Union, swiftly organised at Dublin City Council's office on Wednesday. But first, it's the State of the Nation. What's grinding your gears and floating your boat and rising your tides and tickling your fancy this week, Andrea? Um, so in a, in a state of the nation, it was a, it's a very thin state of the nation really this week. Is it? it starts off with one of the gassest things to ever happen and it couldn't have happened to a nicer person. Uh, Nigel Farage being coerced, well, not coerced, tricked into... Uh, into saying up the rack, basically. <laughs> uh, he does these paid cameos, like absolutely Scarlett Johansson for that, that, that Nigel Farage is sitting there going, yeah, hey, here's uh, some happy birthday greetings to your ma. Um, and then somebody put in up the rack at the end. And it was shared on social media and we all rejoiced and it trended on the morning of the budget. You couldn't ask for better. Speaking of the budget, um. What did you make of it? I think it's kind of funny the way it really monopolizes a lot of coverage as it should do. But it's kind of, I think for a lot of people, the changes are so small, yet the issues that they're facing are so big that unless there are really dramatic interventions and different stuff like housing in terms of poverty, child homelessness, service provision, all that kind of stuff, I just don't think anything's really cutting through, you know, unless it's tackling that. I am not a follower of the budget and I I know loads of people sit down and analyse it and I'm waiting for the headlines. And the fact of the matter was there were no headlines, like five euro here to tackle like a rise of 800 euro of electricity is just not going to cut it. And like it's it, it seems to be all lip service and something to talk about rather than actually saying anything. Um, Yeah. I think it's kind of a symptom of the government's disconnection as well, because I think now they know that they're disconnected and 
they kind of it was a real like, yeah, everything's just ticking along. Everything's going grand. We're just going to do these two bits. And it's like, oh, that's not really the reality. Um, but we'll get into a couple of uh, bits of that later because um, it makes up both your get in the sea and the it's bananas, two of the uh, budget aspects. Another Which thing- is ironic given that I don't follow it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another State of the Nation bit subset, uh, the artist collective were fi- prosecuted by Dublin City Council for a mural that they had painted and they were fined four and a half thousand euros. I just feel like it's just a waste of everyone's time, like dragging people through the courts for this. And also the comment from the judge that was like, this is like something you'd see in Amsterdam kind of tells you everything you need to know about that. Well, um, yeah. Now. <laughs> Are they um, an artist collaboration group? Not really. Well, I suppose the mural. Are they getting fined because they were doing are they getting fined because they were doing ads? Did they kind of come into the street art and start putting up ads all over the place? I guess they do a lot of different things. But I suppose this particular case was around the mural itself on Grantham Street. But anyway, I think it was on Grantham Street. Anyway, um, now we're going to our main bit of the pod. It is Up the Students. Now, Owen Keegan, who is the CEO of uh, Dublin City Council, I know that he has said a lot of things and has kind of exacerbated people's anger in the city a lot of times. But really and truly, his response to a letter from the UCD Students' Union where they were expressing their concern about purpose-built student accommodation being... Uh, having its uh, being made change of use um, so that it would be turned into a tourist or short-term lets or whatever while there's a student housing crisis. They were basically writing to him and he wrote back concluding, if you genuinely believe that excess profits are being made in the PBSA market, I'm surprised the Students' Union has not entered the market itself and provided lower-cost student accommodation for its members. Um, That obviously went crazy online and off when Rory Power from who's the president of the UCD SU posted on Twitter and a student protest was organized really quickly uh, that took place on Wednesday afternoon. Um, before we we dropped or I dropped down to, to check out what the vibe was and we're going to have students voices um, explaining their point of view. But Andrea, when you saw that uh, response from Owen Keegan, what did you think? First, I I rolled. Secondly, I said, this is so fucking typical. And third, I was like, how can this man be the man that is in charge of creating the fabric and amenities that this city needs when he literally gets disgusted when he's asked to provide something and throws it back and asks the people of the city to do it themselves babes it's your fucking job it's your one job and to be like well why don't you do it yourself are you actually six are you actually six but it's 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 such a symptom of all of the other things that have happened around you know trying to get businesses to provide public toilets when there was that crisis or you know, when Panty was on the podcast talking about the issue with Capel Street before they kind of did a U-turn on the pedestrianisation, just saying like, why do we have to campaign for every single sim- simple thing? Um, it really feels, though, that in the aftermath of the cobblestone and merchants arts protests uh, at the weekend, which had such an amazing energy to it, that this kind of crack now is a bit too much. And um, foot, like, interestingly, politicians from all parties pretty much um, those in government, those in opposition kind of came to the defence of the students here and just kind of said that this kind of antagonistic, sarcastic, snide response um, is just not acceptable. I was kind of just like the mind boggles, you know, but as well as that, like how could you even think to say that to people who are suffering with accommodation costs? You know, like how could you even think that that, like how was that even your opinion like, how would you even think that it's like a well actually moment or, 
you know, a, a moment of like sarcasm or and, and like just being so antagonistic. Like, I don't know, it's just the lack of empathy is is astonishing. There's a lack um, of empathy, but I sometimes feel that you jump to those places in a place of defense. Mm. So if you're if you're in a situation of like, well, I can't do anything, so why don't you fucking do it yourself? It kind of feels like you're you, you know you're at fault and you're trying to distract from it. Well, maybe, but I think that there's probably a lack of self-awareness as well there because or just a lack of kind of really caring what people think, because that kind of attitude has been very prevalent in Owen Keegan's work and his career and his messaging and comms all the way through since he was the assistant city manager in Dublin City Council when he was or in the corporation, I guess, maybe it was that time in the 90s, you know, being traffic, being out in Dunleary. And, and just quite antagonistic all the way through. I was looking back at um, quotes, I think it was 1996. Um, and he was quoted like talking about pursuing this get tough policy on evicting people in corporation flats while pursuing rent arrears. There was also a situation. Oh, God, it's probably like 20 years ago now or something um, when he wanted to charge people with disabilities for parking because he said that the parking permits were being abused. That didn't happen because um, different uh, disability groups kind of obviously advocated against it. So there is this kind of antagonistic thread going through it. I did enjoy that meme of Dark Vader uh, or or Darth Vader, where it was like, um, Owen Keegan is Leo Bracker's dad. It's like, I am your father. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, we're going to... But you know... Sorry, lol. There is one thing that I am worried about, and that is that a lot of attention is being focused on Owen Keegan, rightly so. Um, but it feels like that there's this energy of like, get Owen Keegan out, and that that's the solution. Whereas it's very clear that there's a systemic issue that is not going to be solved by the removal of one person. So it, you'd hope that the energy that is kind of rising around all this has a longevity that, that isn't just focused on one personality, problematic as they may be, that it is a bigger picture issue that needs to be resolved. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And also, you know, nobody is advocating here for civil servants or public servants or people in different jobs to have personalized attacks, you know, um, be targeted at them. Um, Nobody likes that kind of discourse in public life at all. You know, it's not helpful, Mm. but it's very, very difficult to not kind of hit back when um, the CEO of the council is is antagonizing people in this manner. Um, and and using his own communications and, and official communications channels to say things that are just completely unacceptable. Um, so anyway, this report from the protest, um, it begins not with a speech from someone uh, from UCD, but actually from a speaker from Trinity Students Union, because I just thought what they were saying over like this, this short speech of about two minutes was really, really interesting and kind of encapsulated an awful lot of the problems that students are facing. Um, we then talked to some students who were at the protest about their own personal experiences. And it ends with Rory Power himself um, from UCDSU talking about what this last couple of days has actually been like for him um, since the release of uh, the letter uh, sent by Owen Keegan um, to the union exploded into a national story. Homes for UCD in this. Owen Keegan's comments over the last few days we've been told were ill-informed or misjudged. They were not. They showed a total disregard for renters, for students and for the residents of his city that he is supposed to represent. This man is an unelected official who makes 190 grand a year with more power than half the politicians in this country. Over the years, he has pushed for the privatization of public land and helped to create the accommodation crisis that we're in now. Students can't find anywhere to live. 
We have an accommodation service that has been overrun in Trinity for the past few months. It's not their fault that they don't have anywhere to live. It's not the fault of student unions that they don't have anywhere to live. And it's not an accident that they don't have anywhere to live. It is a result of years of policies that have privileged landlords, property developers, and vulture funds. Policies that have priced students out of safe and affordable accommodation. We have students staying in Airbnbs, we have students staying in hotels, and we have students commuting from the other end of the country just to come to college because there is nowhere for them to stay. Students shouldn't be paying thousands for poor quality homes, and many students can't pay thousands. They are priced out of homes and they are locked out of education. We have a right to free education, we have a right to accommodation, we deserve better and we need better. This doesn't begin and end with Owen Keegan. Yesterday's budget showed a blatant disregard for students and for young people as a whole. We're re reaching a breaking point in Dublin. We're reaching a breaking point in Ireland. Young people have nothing to keep them here. And we need change right now if we're going to, if we can stay here. We need it right now. We don't need it tomorrow. We need it today. Thank you. Hi, I'm Saif, I'm studying computer science. Obviously there's a really, uh, really good turnout here for a protest organised so quickly. Um, what did you think when you saw the comments from Owen Keegan? Um, I just think, I don't know, just like students are left behind, uh, like we need affordable housing and things. I'm originally from Sligo so I can't commute from there, I have to pay a lot of rent to live here and I have to be here because the industry's here. I can't just live in my hometown forever. Um, like, luckily, I don't know, a lot of students don't have to pay rent because they can live with their parents, but I know people that live in Bray and commute two hours a day to go to college. Like, when, like, when do they get time to study? We're just completely forgotten about. We need, like, affordable housing that is closer to our universities. It's interesting because there is that narrative of, oh, people are all living with their parents. But as you say, that's really biased against people who are from outside built-up urban areas. Like, I didn't decide to be born in Sligo. I didn't decide to grow up in a certain part. And I didn't decide where the industries are. Like, I'm just, like, going to college is an investment. And, like, I know people that have to work full-time and go to college. I know people that miss college because they get no sleep from working full-time. It's not fair. And it's just, like, the rich, richer, like, students that can afford this luxury accommodation that can live near their campus and study and do these things. And they never have to think about, like, the cost of living and things. It's just... Like, what, what happens to the poorer students? What happens to the Susie students? Like, students that travel two hours a day, three hours a day. It's just not fair. And do you, are you encouraged by this kind of turnout today? Because I know a lot of people have been so kind of despondent and de dejected over the last while because of the housing crisis. But it does seem like something is kind of changing now that people are getting out on the streets. Mm, I really hope so. Like, I have to pay 500 for a shared room. I know a friend that lives in a different country and he pays 350 for an entire apartment. So I just, I really hope it changes because, like, just, it's nearly the cost of entry to education. Like, they're like, oh yeah, of course, like, we help people by subsidizing education, but where's, like, the help for living accommodation? It's just not there. Thanks so much for those thoughts. Are really insightful. What do you think yourself on that? Are you in a similar situation renting or what? I'm in a similar situation. I actually live in Dublin, and the fact is, I'm I feel very privileged compared to everybody else, and it's just really unfair on everyone that doesn't live in Dublin. I have the easiest transport. I don't have to pay anything at all, and it's just completely just honestly disgusting that everybody else has to pay so much just to get the exact same education as me. And honestly, I can't help but like want to support everybody with like in a similar situation as her over there. Like, it's just honestly horrible. I don't know why. Obviously, students have a really good track record in leading kind of activist movements and being the first out on the street. Is this something that you're going to stick with? Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to stick with this. Definitely. 
Uh, I'm Adam. Uh, I study politics and economics in UCD, and I'm just out here to show solidarity for any of them students who can't afford affordable accommodation and who can't afford to trek in and out of UCD every day and every morning. What have the conversations been like since the, that letter was published in the comments by Owen Keegan? Uh, a lot of disgust, uh, a lot of anger as to how we've been treated and how we've been portrayed in that letter and how we were sort of spoken to as a general group of students. And what about yourself? Um, what are you studying? Uh, Sam Singh, uh, Politics and History in UCD. Uh, I'm out here today again to show solidarity with people. I've been lucky enough myself to not have to go through the renting uh, situation right now, student accommodation, but I've heard and I know people of plenty of like awful, horrible stories of just like, couch surfing, sleeping in their cars, or playing extortionate rates for small apartments that are already shared. Uh, so I'm out here like, to, show, to stand with them or to show solidarity with them. Do you think a movement can be built now that people are kind of willing to, I suppose, spring into action? Um, it seems like the discourse has kind of spilled onto the street with the cobblestone protest at the weekend as well. I think so. I mean, you can, as you can see here, we've had many like opposition parties on the side of students here. There's a huge movement, there's a huge appetite for it, especially amongst the younger generations who are going to be the next ones in government or are going to be the ones that are going to be heavily influential in like, how the next election goes, who, what party they're going to vote for. So, I mean, if anybody has any common sense, they'll get on this issue, though, especially housing as a wider issue, not just student housing. Um, I think there is huge like grounds here for like a mass movement on housing because the Irish people, not just students, are sick of not being able to, are being sick of being kept out of housing, um, are sick of being kept out of third education because for a very specific, you know, group of people that can only afford it. Uh, and yeah, people have made it clear that they're tired of this. Rory, uh, your publication of the letter on Twitter kind of started, um, or start, uh, ended up being a catalyst, I suppose, for this whole thing. Um, there are so many journalists here today. There's a lot of opposition politicians. Everybody wants a piece of you. You must be feeling quite overwhelmed. Uh, we weren't expecting the reaction to us. Uh, I did think it was a bit of a sarcastic comment, but equally, like I think the, the biggest concern for us is the underlying attitudes that were displayed. We've seen throughout Owen Keegan's tenure as Dublin City Council CEO, there's been an exacerbation of the housing and homelessness issues particularly when it comes to student accommodation, allowing these conversions in the midst of a, a national supply and affordability crisis for students didn't make any sense to us. We're glad that such uh, strong support has been shown. We're delighted that other students' unions backed us, as have opposition parties. We're hoping to take this momentum going forward and calling for positive change, looking for the national student accommodation strategy to be replaced, cost rental trials on our college campuses, and a three-year ban on rent increases. And when you um, posted that letter, the extract at the end of it, I mean, did you expect this to end up with Michal Martin giving his uh, point of view on it? I mean, it must have been quite a crazy 24 hours for you. It has been mental. We didn't expect that at all. I'm actually quite grateful that the, the teacher gave that intervention, as have a number of government ministers. We do need to see action followed up on it, but we, that was quite a strong statement of support, so we were very grateful for that. But uh, no, didn't expect the reaction at all. And what do you think is next? Because obviously students have always been a kind of at the vanguard of a lot of social movements in the country, in particular around housing. Students have been experiencing, as you know, the housing crisis uh, before it was uh, mainstream, I guess. Um, how do you feel about a potential movement building now? Because there has been a lot of... Um, like Richard Boyd Barr was talking about it, that thing where people, they almost, they almost feel so stuck that they can't actually act. But this is action today. I think this is a good start. Um, I, I would like to see this mobilisation continued into further demonstrations, but equally we're going to sit down with the different um, the relevant ministers, Simon Harris and uh, Daryl O'Brien, to try to seek action on this. But uh, we need to see quite strong action on it. We'll be working with the opposition. We'll be definitely holding further demonstrations on our college campuses. One thing that wasn't highlighted to the extent uh, that we, we would like today is the issue of extortionate rents being charged by our own universities through the public purse. So that's something that needs to be tackled. We don't want UCD or any other university getting an additional cent from the public purse until they change their own accommodation strategies. And what would be your uh, message to people who aren't students, let's say, but who are suffering for the, the student housing crisis? You know, should they be coming along to these, these demonstrations as well? Is this kind of a broader movement that can be built? The first thing we note is that a lot of the students who really want to attend can't. They have massive commutes home because they don't have, uh, can't find accommodation. But for those students who are in a position to attend, nothing is going to change if we do not have mass mobilisation on it. We absolutely appeal to anyone who can attend future demonstrations to come out. This is a fantastic start. There's a great atmosphere. We've got good backing. We need to build on this going forward. Fair play, Rory. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Keegan, Keegan, Keegan! Keegan, Keegan, Keegan! So there you go. You can kind of feel uh, that there is some kind of energy happening now. Um, 
and how it will coalesce, I suppose. We know that there is going to be, you know, large protests. We know that there's going to be a new housing movement formed. How it shows up depends on the circumstances, right? And it depends on events and it depends on various catalysts that are, that you cannot forecast, but you can certainly forecast that a movement um, will be forming over the next while. What do you, what you're a real like, Paul the octopus of social energy, Andre, you're often able to kind of tap into and predict where people are at. What do you think the vibe is? Because this is something that we've been talking about for ages. And of course, you yourself uh, set up No More Hotels as as kind of a creative movement around this too. I think, I think for so long, the warning signs that were being given off were in niche areas that we care about. Um, that may not be touching people in the gen pop, let's say. Um, and so that was something that No More Hotels was the point of, was to say, look, all our clubs are being knocked down. Uh, just because it's not your culture that's being knocked down doesn't mean that our culture isn't being knocked down because clubbing is indeed culture. Um, and now that it is moving into the culture that makes up the fabric of our heritage and and that is so intrinsic to who we are that it's really starting to affect everyone. And I suppose the way empathy works is that it's it's easier to have empathy for things that are close to you or that you identify with. So that this swell is happening in the gen pop of all the conversations that have been happening in more niche areas like that we've been having. And um, so I think the crescendo is here and people are just sick of having the city being sold out, sold off from underneath them. It's like, finally, it kind of is all connecting like a spider's web. Everyone's like, aha, this Mm. is all this. What was your idea for the rave? For house party. (laughs) House party. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Street, street raves, street protest raves called house party. Uh, in like, protest of the housing I crisis. think we should definitely do that Street Feast went down so well I think there's a market um, I think as well that like I think you're so right Andrea like that move from niche to um, mainstream or whatever you want to call it or like a collection of niches start to, to collect but I think as well more philosophically or maybe existentially or something and I think this says a lot about the future of Ireland is that people have changed, you know, over the past decade, let's say, acutely have changed. Obviously, the changes that instigated, uh, that that were instigated by the referendums and all that kind of stuff. And people have, and the pandemic as well, you know, people have done a lot of reflection about what they want and where, where what they want to do with their lives and how they want to live and where they want to live. And I think then when those internal changes occur in people, And then they look around at the institutions and the systems and the various establishments running those things from central to local government or, you know, departments or the legal system or whatever. And those things haven't changed in tandem. Then this butting up occurs where people all of a sudden go, hang on a second, like this is not what what I want and this is not who we are. And this doesn't feel very in tune with where we're at. And I think that feeling, that kind of um, that kind of tectonic kind of grating is going to be the kind of dominant force in in Irish social and political uh, culture for the next decade or so. Because I think that people in charge of institutions or people in the political establishment do not seem to be culturally in tune with the desires of you know, the average person. And uh, you, you can't, that, that's when things kind of start to really be, be questioned, I suppose. And they can manifest in angry ways and all that kind of stuff and in very unhelpful ways. But if that does, that real dissatisfaction with the institutions and systems that we're in, this is obviously not unique to Ireland, but I think that that's a big one. I also think that for so long, niches have been like disregarded and not seen as important uh, as almost like sure we don't need to worry about the niche because if we get the main like whatever uh, mainstream 
that we'll get enough votes for whatever we need. So like clubbing, who cares? Da, 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 who cares? Like, whereas now niches with the with social media and the internet and everything connecting everything together, they're so intrinsically linked now, each niche, that the power of the niche is finally being realized, I think. Yeah, defo. Now, it's time for Get in the Sea. Hit me. Oh, violent. Uh, <laughs> I did, I had, I was really annoyed about this um, with the announcement about contraception in the budget that it would be free from, for women aged 17 to 24. And you're just, it just strikes you as being very, um, what about older women? People from 25 don't want to get pregnant either. Um, and also that it was strictly uh, pregnancy preventative as opposed to health aware because it wasn't inclusive of condoms. Um, also, it puts the the weight of responsibility on women. Um, and even though there's no talk about like, what about men and what they can do? It's, it's all focused on women. And it feels very much like internalized misogyny of uh, leaving responsibility for the kids to women and to get on with that. Now, I did see Stephen Donnelly come out with a tweet explaining the, the reasons for this, that uh, condoms were, are available in other places and that they were going to extend the ages of this. Now, whether that was true or whether it was just in response to people getting so annoyed about it, we'll never know. But uh, he was like, this is where we're starting. Um, but it just seems so very far away from where we agreed we were going from the referendum and the conversations around that. But a start to start, but I think the start can get in the sea. I saw Oliver Collin tweet that um, Irish people don't need contraception over the age of 25 because you stop having sex because you have to move in with your parents and then say for a gaff until the end of time. Cool, that's not depressing, Martini. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now it's time for It's Bananas. Well, well, Andrea, what's bananas? What's bananas? Okay. The fact that the budget in terms of housing came out in support of landlords with a tax break as opposed to renters after every conversation that's been happening feels like, are these people going around with their fingers in their ears going la 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 nobody can no uh, do you know where it would strike right with the budget we'll get those landlords on board because they've had a tough go of it and uh literally the discourse for the la- it feels like for the last four years has been about how nobody can afford to rent and landlords and they're like do you know what we'll do we'll give a tax break and also, the vacant tax, vacant site tax levy um, is being eradicated and they're getting this new one. That's, so it's going from 3%. I can't remember. What's the name of the new one? Uh, I think it's called the land zone tax or the zone land tax. So this plan to get people to stop land hoarding for speculation, they're going to reduce that down to 3% from 7%. And then you don't have to pay it for two years. Well, that's going to be real helpful of getting people to get their sights off into action. It's just like it actually like I can't get my head around it. It's so bananas. It's literally like, is, is this real life? Is this like back to front world or like inside out world or opposite land or whatever? It's like, how is that where they came to when they were putting that budget together? It's almost it's a, a, it's a banana, Zuna. <laughs> It's almost as if it's exactly what they want to do. <laughs> I mean, the zone land tax, tax thing is mad because, as you say, there was the vacant side tax for 7%. Now, that did have issues in that local authorities were meant to collect it, right? And they just didn't have the resources. But changing it, reducing it to 3%, so you're knocking 4% off what people will have to pay. And it's for zoned land, right? So if you have vacant land that isn't zoned for development... 
which the previous tax covered, then this one doesn't. And also it doesn't cover empty homes or empty existing properties. And also the whole thing about the vacant site tax was that, oh, it's going to take ages to set up. So it's going to take three, four years, blah, blah, blah. And then they do another two to three year leading on this, even though the system has already been established. The only good thing about it is revenue will collect it, but like they're not going to be collecting it for two to three years, which funnily enough coincides pretty much with the next election. So for the duration of this government, don't worry, <laughs> landlords, we've got your back. But like, if there's anything we've learned about how fast things can be turned around from the pandemic, if the, where there's a will, there's a way. The systems can be like, they literally got a pandemic payment set up for nearly like how many thousand million people in the country. How fast? You can do this shit. You yeah, can do if you it. want to. If you want to. If you want to. If they want, if they wanted it's to do absolutely it, bananas. if they wanted to do it, they'd be they'd be doing it. That's just it. Like we have to move into the acceptance phase because <laughs> if it's like this whole thing of like, oh, we're being gaslit, blah blah. It's like no, they're just doing what they want to do. Because if they wanted to do something else, if they wanted to actually say, no, actually, we're going to really just like tackle dereliction and vacancy and all these empty gaffes and the thousand or so luxury, you know, apartments within the city centre that are vacant, that's not allowed, blah, blah, blah. Then they do it, but they don't, they're not doing it. So clearly they don't want to do it. No more than if you don't want to go out, you just don't go out. I love that we bring everything back to the session. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Now it's time for our fave bits. I'm excited to hear about yours. Go on. First up, uh, the Sex Actually documentaries with Alice Levine. Um, they are produced by, what's his name? Oh my God, I've no brain today. Louis Theroux. And they are just so interesting. And I really enjoyed watching them because it was very insightful and she's a gas bitch. Like, I, I want to be best friends with her now. Um, where are they on? What are they on? Explore Channel Four. She was exploring different things like cam sex um, as a job, and uh, what else were the other ones? BDSM, and the last one was wellness sexuality. Uh, so, like Reiki sex and tantra and laugh and orgasm yoga and all those kind of things. It was just really interesting and. I I like seeing more more conversations about sex in mainstream places. Cool. Cool. Uh, my other one was Sally Rooney um, supporting Palestine with her uh, BDS institutional boycott uh, guidelines uh, with her. She refused to sell the Hebrew rights uh, to occupied Israeli uh to a publish, publishing specific house. publisher, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who aren't coming out in support um, of that. I think that was uh, a really nice, a really nice thing to do. <laughs> wow, trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then finally, my last nice bit is Open House Dublin is this weekend. Um, it's run by the Irish Architecture Foundation, and um, so you can go in and look at people's gaffes. They have a huge program of stuff going on and part of that is the big debate on Saturday which is being included no what's how do I wear that I'm part of it I'm one of the debaters and it is about uh, a living city surprise surprise Um, and it is being hosted by the Provost of Trinity um, and should be wonderful so you can actually stream it or you can go and see it in real life. I fucking love that we're talking in real life events again. So, yeah. Where is that on? It is on. <laughs> Through your face. <laughs> Hang on. I just, I, the way my, t- my mind works with time, I can't be in like a next week or the next day. I have to deal with things one day at a time. So I can't retain knowledge. So for that day so that's the future so I have to deal with things as they arise and I will tell you now and I'm filling time here because I'm really embarrassed that's just that the power is, of being uh, present I think Andre you're just very good at being present because I have to be because my capacity for uh, 
for knowledge for memory uh is not great and yeah i do try and be present do you want to continue on with your five bits? Okay, I will. Yeah, I, yeah. I fa- figure out where this information is. <laughs> okay, so um, conversations after sex at project in Dublin as part of the Dublin Theatre Festival. Brilliant, fantastic, excellent play by Marco Halloran, um, and it's this pop baby production, and Tom Cree directed it, and it's just so good, so good. Now it is sold out. However, you can live stream. It um, there's a film they're filming it and you live stream it on Saturday. If you go to the Dublin Theatre Festival website, uh, you can check that out and you can also then get it on demand. I think I would really, really recommend it. It's beautiful, it's sad, it's tender, it's gorgeous. Uh, speaking of the Dublin Theatre Festival, I'm going to once before I go again at the weekend. Um, that is Philly McMahon's play in The Gate. Tickets are still available for the Saturday matinee, which is what I'm going to. Little cheeky afternoon theatre and my other favourite again you're going for a second time yeah I like going to see plays two or three times that's really interesting is it I'm not judging it I'm actually just interested by that yeah because first time you go it's like you're seeing the thing and then I, well, I, the, one of the reasons that I want to go again is because I want to just like pay more attention to the writing, which I really enjoyed. But obviously it's a bit of a spectacle as well in a great way. But I mm. want to kind of just, yeah, I like seeing things a couple of times. Um, And my other fave bit is, are the Ordu murals in Cork. Um, The Asbestos one on South Main Street in Cork is absolutely unreal. So well done to Cork with all their murals. Really deadly. Where is your talk on on Saturday, Andre? Oh, my God. So there's a talk on as part of Open House Dublin, Irish Architecture Foundation are bringing it. It's called The Big Debate, Living for the City. It's being hosted in the complex uh, in Smithfield on Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. If you can't make it, though, don't worry, because it is being live streamed. (laughs) Um, It's being moderated by Linda Doyle, who's the Provost and President of Trinity College Dublin. And the guests are Andrea Horan from United Ireland. Wow. uh, And Tropical. Popical founder Bob Jordan, who's the CEO of the Housing Agency Ireland. Andrew Griffin is the co-founder of Urban Agency and a member of Subset. Very mysterious. They're not announcing who it's going to be yet till the day. Excellent. Okay, cool. We'll check that out. That sounds great. And you can stream it as well, right? You can stream it for sure. Yeah. And don't forget to go to nch.ie to get tickets to our live podcast on Utopian Visions for Ireland uh, next Wednesday. Um, okay, I've got a bumper book of the week. Are you ready? Because we missed book of the week. Always. I would like because I I and then I didn't do it last week. Anyway, so I've read a bunch of books over the last. I read book. half a book. Fucking brilliant! What half of a book did you read? Did you hear Mommy died? Oh yeah, I haven't read that yet. Seamus' book, yeah, Daddy. Um, so yeah. um, here is the bumper book of the week catch up. Oh yeah, here you go, Andrew. You have to put in the book of the week sting. Okay, so Auguries of a Minor God, it's a poetry book of two halves, the second one being this kind of long narrative poem about a family of refugees fleeing an unspecified Middle Eastern country uh, to the West. It is by Nidhi Zak Ariyepe, who lives in Ireland, by the way. Um, I know a lot of people have mentioned to me in passing that whatever the pandemic did with our brains... <laughs> that it's kind of hard to read or, or like finish things or all that kind of stuff, you know, the concentration levels. So A Cloud Where the Bird Rises is a new um, illustrated book from Michael Harding, and it's made up of kind of very meditative fragments from his previous books. So if you're looking for kind of a chilled out thing that you can pick up or put down or just, you know, you don't have to, re- it's not dense prose or anything. And it's, and it's very, it's really nice, you know, and it's very thoughtful. Then you might enjoy that. No one is talking about this is a pretty extraordinary novel that everybody's talking about, ironically. It's about social media being extremely online, internet addiction, how that changes our brains, the way we talk, the way we think. And it really 
it's one of the first things that I've read as a novel that really very much articulates that feeling of atomized, kind of unmoored, just dissatisfaction or something or kind of emptiness that that the internet imbues in everything. <laughs> so it's kind of depressing, but it's also very relatable. It's very funny as well. And it just kind of holds a mirror up to all that fuckery of social media. It's by um, Patricia Lockwood, who's an American writer. The weak spot is this um, really kind of unnerving fairy tale, fable type short novel by a writer called Lucy Elvin. And it's about a woman who goes to work in a pharmacy in a remote village and then like really odd things start happening. And it's also kind of like a weird... She can't get, get neurofemplus. <laughs> she can't get salpo. <clears throat> so she kills everyone now. Um, <laughs> Fair. But, but it's, it's very unnerving and kind of creepy, but I really, really enjoyed it. It's also very short. Um, so that's a good one if you're into your like fable kind of stuff. Um, we Belong to Gaia, I read recently by James Lovelock. That's an LD. He's one of the people who developed Gaia theory along with Lynn Margulies about the how everything is connected, interconnected and all the like organisms work together. It's a different kind of way to view the environment and the planet and all that kind of stuff. So if you're looking for a different kind of climate narrative... This is super short book. It's like republished. It's four chapters that were in Guy's Revenge, I think, republished. Um, On Connection, Kay Tempest's book about our connection creativity. I think I mentioned that one before. Assembly by Natasha Brown is a short novel I read the other week. Um, Really, really good. Writing's great. It's all about kind of the grind of racism in Britain. And it's about colonialism and that legacy, how that comes back back into the present day in bullshit corporate culture. Um, again, it's a short novel. I was reading a lot of short books. So I think it's only hundred pages long. Really, really brill. In Praise of Shadows is an essay uh, book on Japanese aesthetics by Tanizaki. First printed in 19, I think the English, first English translation was 1977, but I think it's from the 30s. Um, I was reading a new translation published in 2017. So if you're into like vibing off Japanese aesthetics and shadows and darkness, and it goes into all things about like the aesthetic value of jade and Japanese toilet outhouses and why they're important that you can view the seasons from them and shadows and all that kind of stuff. And I think that at a time where architecture really prioritized light, which I like, it's interesting to see things from a different perspective. And finally, even though it's like nearly 100 years old, <laughs> the book. Uh, finally, Ashling in the City, Sarah Neymar, uh, Ashling Hits New York. Super fun, really enjoyed it. Very sweet, quite serious in parts as well. And I think any, this, this I feel like this is one of an Ashling book for the diaspora. I feel it's like for the people who go away and are trying to make their way in the world and what that means. Um, so it has a real has meat to its core um, and I think it's the penultimate Ashling. I think there's only one more so those are my books of the week this you- podcast is produced by Andrew Mank and a cast by media Crystal Clear gave us this tuna chicken roll for a soundtrack and Sarah Fox did all of our design what is a tuna this chicken week's- roll I cannot believe what I'm seeing here on the script Okay, bear with me. I was on holidays and I was going through theme tunes and singing along to them. Shout out to Claude and Dave who were on either side of my room who absolutely nearly stabbed me to death for my journey through theme tunes. Krypton Factor and The Bill were very good rediscoveries, FYI. But we got to the home and away. And it, I listened to it. I was like, take that out of a theme tune. It's an absolute banger. It's like a love song, but it's an uplifting song. Oh, tuna, absolute tuna. So yeah, home and away, team tune, take it away. Why not? I've been Una Mullally. And I've been Andrea Horan. This has been United Ireland. And that was Up the Students.